Welcome to Sabbath School Study Hour. I'm your host, Jeff Walper, and today we're continuing our quarterly study in the book of Psalms. We're on our second lesson today, and we're looking at the question of how do we pray? You remember the disciples came to Jesus and they asked him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples to pray. And so I have a free offer for you. I want to bring it to your attention. It's entitled, Teach Us to Pray by Pastor Doug Batchelor, And if you will text SH065 to 40544, we'll get a copy of this to you. Uh, if you're in the North America and the US territories and you want a mail or a copy of it sent to you via mail, uh, again, just call us at 1-866-788-3966 or one 866 study more. And again, that's the booklet entitled, Teach Us to Pray. You know, prayer has been called the breath of the soul. Um, the person who neglects to pray, well, basically will go at life without the help of the Lord and his angels. And so we want to recognize daily our need for Jesus and his help in our life. And that's why it's so important to pray and learn how to pray. Um, the disciples asked the Lord how to pray. And we're going to get into that topic today. Uh, first, I want to draw your attention to our screen. Um, this is kind of the format here. We're going to be looking at basically these subheadings all the way from Sabbath down to Friday, an introduction and memory text, and then fostering the use of Psalms in prayer. Um, I'm not going to move around a lot in the Psalms. I'm just going to touch on my favorite Psalm. And then we're going to look at maybe some principles of how to pray from the scripture and how we can use the book of Psalms to help us. And then I'm going to look at actually kind of a warning that we need to look out for. Um, don't want to spend a lot of time on that, but I do want to touch on it. So why don't we go ahead and get into our study? Luke 11, verse 1. Get my glasses on here. And it came to pass that as he, speaking of Jesus, was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. I can't think of a better person to learn to pray from than Jesus. How about you? Well, Teach us to pray was the request. Note with me, notice that Jesus taught his disciples to pray by giving them the Lord's Prayer. And so the response that the Lord gives is found both in Luke 11, 2 through 4, and then Matthew 6, 9 to 13. Both of these accounts provide us a record of Jesus' uh, answer to their request. Teach us to pray. We're going to get into Luke 11, um, 2 through 4 first. This is 
a less, uh, we don't use this Lord's Prayer as much as we do Matthew's version. And so you'll see a couple nuances that are a little bit different than Matthew's account. But uh, Luke 11, verse 2, so he said to them, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So let's pause there for a moment. The first invitation or the first thing that Christ teaches us in prayer is that we can call God our Father. Now, this is significant because that makes Jesus our brother and that makes us part of the family of heaven. This is good news. Um, you know, none of us asked to be born, but we can all choose to be born again. And this is good news because God wants us to be a part of his family and he wants to be our Abba, our father. And so I love this introduction to the Lord's Prayer. Jesus says, say or pray our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Certainly the right posture before our heavenly father. One of reverence, respect, honor to hallow his name. And one of the things we've lost in modern society is sacredness. We um, seem to live as a society by drinking out of a paper cup. We're much too casual in our world today. And sadly, I think that's come into the church and even into the home for sure. But here we see that when we pray, we call God our Father in heaven, and then we hallow his name. That means to reverence his name. That means to sanctify his name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So Jesus is setting up his kingdom right now and he's inviting us each one to be a part of his kingdom. And he's saying that we are to be teachable. His will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. This is a picture of atonement to be at one with God, not a two-headed <laughs> beast, as it were, but to be one. Your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day, give us day by day our daily bread. Doesn't say help us to build silos. Jesus says pray for daily bread. Learn how to depend on the Lord day by day, to depend on his promises day by day, and watch him provide for you. Verse four, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. All right, I'm gonna pause here for a moment. This bears some reflection. Jesus is saying when we pray, we are to ask the Lord to forgive us with the understanding that we are to forgive others as well. Notice the language in the New King James for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. In the word forgive, it's kind of along the same lines of forbear. But your giving, your attitude, even before someone takes something from you, is one of generosity. It's giving ahead of time. Forgive. Your attitude or your mindset has already been decided. Even before the person wrongs you, you're ready to forgive. Um, that doesn't mean to be a doormat, but that means 
that you're not going to be enslaved with bitterness and anger and you're going to be a free man, a free woman, and you're going to have perfect access to Jesus' forgiveness in his mercy and grace. Hallelujah. That's, uh, that's the type of freedom I want. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. Certainly we hope we do that. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So praise the Lord. Jesus is able to keep us from the hour of temptation, to keep us from falling. I love the book of Jude where it tells us now unto him who is able to keep you from falling. Um, we know that temptations will come. But if we are relying on the Lord, we have a prayer life where we walk with him, we commune with him. We read his word, we love his word, then he will keep us from falling. He will help us not to indulge temptation, but to submit to him, resist the temptation, and the devil will flee. Um, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Hallelujah. Jesus is more powerful than the devil, and he is able to deliver us. This is good news. Well, we're now going to move on to Matthew's version of the Lord's Prayer. Again, this is God's response, or this is Jesus' response to his disciples asking him, teach us how to pray. And that's what this whole lesson is about this week. Teach us to pray. We're going to go to Matthew 6, verse 9. This is the more familiar version of the Lord's Prayer. Um, I like the King James version of it, but I will be reading from the New King James. Matthew 6, verse 9. In this manner, therefore, pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Again, we see this idea of perfect at one that we are humble, teachable, and cooperative with Jesus yoked up with him, learning of his meekness and lowliness and keeping in step with him, as Paul says in Galatians 5.25. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Verse 11. Again, give us this day our daily bread. I want to pause here and just reflect on the, the memory of Jesus, the pre-advent of Jesus, leading Israel out of Egypt through the promised land or through the desert, the wilderness into the promised land. And you'll remember that he fed them with manna on a daily basis. They were never to collect um, tomorrow's bread for today. They were only to collect their daily bread. The only provision they ever had for collecting tomorrow's bread today was on the preparation day of Friday to prepare for the Sabbath. And um, yeah, whenever they would collect two days worth on Friday, it wouldn't rot on the Sabbath. Whereas if they tried to do that on any other day, it would be spoiled the next day. So again, verse 11, Jesus teaching his disciples how to pray. He says, pray, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. 
Again, we read that earlier in Luke. Verse 13, And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I like how Matthew 6.13 says it. Um, he, Matthew adds to the idea that Christ will deliver us from the evil one or the Father will deliver us from the evil one. And he adds, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. You know, Jesus says in Matthew 28 verse 18 that all power in heaven and on earth has been given to me. You know, we need to spend more time thinking about the fact that Jesus has all power, all authority in heaven and on earth. And I believe the more we focus on Jesus and his word and the power of his word, all power, all authority belongs to him. We will be less and less anxious and fearful of the enemy, of circumstances, of whatever is going on in our life. We'll have more peace as we remember and recall to our minds, Jesus has all power in heaven and on earth. And it's in that context that Jesus then gives the great commission, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all things I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Hallelujah. Well, I would like to look back at this point at the context of the Lord's Prayer. And here is where I think we need some um, caution. Um, the preceding verses in Matthew 6, verses 5 through 8, also give us some further insight as to how God would have us pray. Again, this week's lesson is studying how to pray. Teach us how to pray. And the Lord is very specific on how we are to pray. Um, verse 5. We're in Matthew 6, verse 5. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. So Jesus is saying, when you pray, don't pray as a hypocrite does. Don't pray long, prosy prayers in an effort to be seen as some pious person. Um, this is not the goal of prayer. We don't want people to look at us like we are just so amazing. <laughs> um, we are not the hero of this story. There's only one hero. His name is Jesus. It's not us. And so Jesus warns, do not pray like the hypocrites. Don't love to stand in front of people in the synagogue and pray these long prosy prayers. And in fact, we're told that those who pray long prayers in public are giving a public admission that they neglect their private prayer time. And uh, they're trying to make up for it in public. Um, but it's actually quite embarrassing. And so um, I'm not thinking of anybody in particular. So please, you know, sometimes a pastor can say something and someone will meet them at the door or, or give them a phone call and say, why did you talk bad about me? And I'm like, I don't know. I wasn't thinking about you. Um, at any rate, 
So Jesus wants us to pray, but not like the hypocrites, not to be seen and to be exalted and self-aggrandizing, but to be humble. And um, verse six, more instruction Jesus gives on how to pray. But you, when you pray, go into your room and when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. The Bible says that he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High, where is that found? That's found in Psalm 91. We're talking about how we can use the book of Psalms to edify us in our prayer life. I would say Psalm 91 is one of the, one of my favorite Psalms. And the Psalm writer talks about he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. I've heard people try to explain what that secret place is in kind of some sort of mystical, um, monastic sort of way. Look, the secret place is quite simple. The secret place is your private prayer life. When no one's looking, when you go and pray at home, whether it's the closet, whether it's the couch, whether it's beside you, the bed, whether you have some place outside in your garden, um, the secret place of the Most High is that place where you commune with the Lord in prayer and you talk to the Father in heaven and you just lay out to him all your problems, all your concerns, and he strengthens you for the day. And uh, he provides you that daily bread and he gives you that strength and that peace and that courage to keep going forward, to keep following him. Yeah. So Jesus, his uh, counsel in verse six, when you pray, go to your room, shut the door. <laughs> this isn't about people seeing you. Uh, pray to your father in the secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward openly. Praise God. God help us to not neglect that secret prayer time with the Lord. I have found that um, there's only a certain amount of discretionary time in the day. And the biggest challenge is to use those discretionary moments wisely. I have found that um, there are so many things in modern culture that we can waste our time with and afterwards we feel regretful <laughs> to say the least and think, why did I just waste that time? Um, God help us to use our discretionary time every day wisely, to certainly not neglect the secret place of the Most High, and to pray, pray, pray in that secret place to our Father. And the promise is, He will reward you openly. Hallelujah. You can claim it, friend. Claim it, claim it, claim it. Live it. Verse 7. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Uh, this is convicting for me. You know, as a pastor, sometimes uh, it's been said that when a pastor is not fully prepared, he'll preach a long sermon. Now, again, I'm not thinking of anybody in particular. I'm thinking of myself. And the, 
recrudescent voice of my wife and my children saying, Dad, preach a shorter sermon or more illustrations. Or my wife saying, that was a little too long. Um, by the way, pray for your pastor. No matter how much time a pastor prepares, typically he never feels like he's completely prepared. Or maybe that's just the mind of a perfectionist. But at any rate, the tendency is to try to overstate something. You feel like you got to convince the person. No, no, no I got to make my point. I got to, you know, and could it be that we do the same thing with God? Could it be that using too many prayer or too many words in prayer is actually an act of unbelief, of not taking God's promises at his word and laying hold of them? Um, just something to consider. Something to consider. Jesus, again, verse 7, he says, when you pray, don't use vain repetitions as who? The heathen do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. I mean, I've prayed for seven hours today. I've, uh, you know, surely God's going to hear me because of my many words. I don't want to in any way denigrate a meaningful, healthy time in prayer. I don't think that we should be praying these uh, one-minute prayers on a regular basis. I think we need to spend some time like pouring our hearts out to the Lord. But um, just know that Jesus does not endorse the idea that if you use a lot of words, he's more likely to listen to you. <laughs> That's what the heathen do. And um, one of the things that comes to my mind when I, when I think about this verse is the contrast between Elijah and the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. You'll remember in 1 Kings 18 that the prophets of Baal, they're jumping up and down and they're cutting themselves and they're doing all sorts of things and they're just going on and on and on trying to get you know, an answer to their prayers. They're trying to get fire from heaven to consume their sacrifice. And um, there's no power in their many repetitious words. There's no Holy Spirit. There's no fire from heaven. And um, God help us to not follow their example, but to follow Elijah's simple prayer. Um, and by the way, the only reason that Elijah could pray a simple, powerful prayer is because every time Elijah heard the word of the Lord came to Elijah, the next verse it would say, and Elijah went and did according to the word of the Lord. And so Elijah reverenced the word of God he submitted to the word of God. And so when Elijah prayed these short, simple prayer, Lord, glorify your name. Let it be known that you are the God of Israel, you know, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and basically reestablish your name in Israel and <clears throat> glorify your name. <clears throat> Fire comes down and consumes the sacrifice. I would say that's a powerful prayer life. How about you? <laughs> a, we want that type of fire. Uh, to consume the sacrifice in our presence so we can um, be converted and no longer be neutral. Well, verse 8, Jesus also says, therefore do not be like them. He's very clear. He doesn't leave anything to the imagination. He says, don't be like them. Don't stand to be seen and pray long prayers. 
This isn't about self-aggrandizement. That's not what prayer is. Uh, go into a secret place in your home where no one can see you except the Father. And, and when you go and pray, don't use vain repetitions as the heathen do. Don't do it. God's not going to listen to your prayers because you use a bunch of words. Don't be like them. For your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. Hallelujah. Well, a little bit of underlining there for effect. So what is the place of the Psalms in the believer's worship experience? That was a question in this week's lesson. What is the place of the Psalm in the believer's worship experience? I think quite simple. You prayerfully read it and you find in the Psalms the very words that are inspired by the Holy Spirit and the power to convict and to convert the heart. Hebrews 4.12 says that the word of God is living. It's powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. So as we read the book of Psalms, remember it's part of the canon of scripture. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. And the purpose of Bible study is always to circumcise the heart, to take the flesh out and fill us with the Holy Spirit. That's the purpose. There's always a call to repentance and to be covered in the blood of Jesus. Isaiah 49.2, He made my mouth like a sharp sword. He hid me in the shadow of his hand. He made me like a polished arrow. He hid me in his quiver. Um, and then Jeremiah 23, 29. Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that smashes a rock? So what place does the Psalms have in the believer's worship experience? My favorite Psalm is Psalm 51, probably. David's cry for forgiveness after his woeful transgression with Bathsheba and then making sure her husband was put to death. I'd encourage you to read Psalm 51 and understand what God expects when we are confessing our sins and repenting. In closing, remember his marvelous works that he has done, his wonders and the judgments of his mouth. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the Bible. We thank you that you long to teach us how to pray. Lord, we want to have powerful prayer lives. We don't want to pray to be seen. And if we do, change our hearts. We don't want to pray long prosy prayers and, and, and vain repetition. Please, Lord, help us to have a meaningful prayer life where we encounter your word, the two-edged sword that converts us. Help us to read the book of Psalms, Lord. Help us to read the songs, the laments, and help us to learn from their experiences how to repent, how to turn from our sins, and how to walk step in step with Jesus. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, friends. Don't forget to request today's life-changing free resource. Not only can you receive this free gift in the mail, you can download a digital copy straight to your computer or mobile device. 
To get your digital copy of today's free gift, simply text the keyword on your screen to 40544 or visit the web address shown on your screen. And be sure to select the digital download option on the request page. It's now easier than ever for you to study God's Word with amazing facts wherever and whenever you want. And most important, to share it with others.